It is good to be here. I, I want to, first of all, we're, we're going to do something a little bit new. Um, you, you'll find that there are no longer any Bibles in the uh, chair uh, things because we, we stack chairs, right? And in doing so, Bibles get hurt and marred and, and broken and torn up. So what we've done is, is we have now shifted to this. If you need a Bible today, we, we read from the Bible. I don't put everything up on the screen because I'd like people to have the Bible in their hands and opening it. Or if you have a, you know, an app, that's okay. If you have an app that actually makes page rustling sounds, that's even better because it's always nice to hear page rustling when you say, let's turn to First John chapter 1. But if you don't have a Bible today, and we're going to do this every week, just slip up your hand. We're not trying to embarrass you. Just slip up your hand. We have ushers who will come down and give you a Bible. It is a giant print uh, English Standard Version Bible, which we will be uh, reading from more often than than, than not. And uh, and if you don't own a Bible, let this be our gift to you. I mean, we're we're right now. Apparently, we're in a in a season where we just like to give things away. Right now, media, uh, Bibles, you know. So if you need a Bible today, just raise your hand, slip up your hand. Jim will find you and get that to you, and we're not going to make a big deal about it at all. Barb's life. Let me tell you about Barb. Barb's life is a mess. Okay, Her drinking has gotten way out of control. Her husband, Kenny, refuses to cover for that anymore. Everybody sees her problem. Everybody knows she's got a problem, but they all pretend like everything is fine. And every Sunday, Barb and her family, they dress up in their Sunday best. They come to church as the perfect family, and everybody sees them as this model family because everything looks so nice and perfect. Now, sitting in the row right behind uh, Barb and her family is a guy named Joe. Now, everybody likes Joe, especially the guys, because Joe is a man's man. Joe Joe used to play football at OSU, and he's filled with stories of athleticism and the glory days. But when Joe's all alone, his heart is filled with emptiness because he cannot sustain long-term relationships. His, last, his marriage only lasted a few months, and any close relationship that he has, he just kind of alienates them with his short, fused anger. But on that Sunday, if you ask Joe, how's it going, he says, hey, great, great, never better. Barb and Joe have both learned that church is a place for plastic people, Okay. A place for perfect people. So Barb has become Barbie, complete with husband Ken and perfect plastic children and that Barbie dream house. And Joe has become G.I. Joe, who is a plastic hero with kung fu grip that everybody loves, everybody admires, but nobody really knows. But inside, Barb and Joe are dying because guess what? They're not made of plastic. They're not made of plastic. Now, churches today... In our world, they are filled with people like Barbie and G.I. Joe. Well, they have learned that when you come to church, you got to put on the happy face. you got to put on the plastic face. you got to make sure that nobody knows of any of your struggles. But then let me ask you that, this question. If, if that's what church is all about, is to pretend that everything is fine, then why are you here? Why are you here? Is it just to put on a good show? See, when we stop responding to God's call for authenticity, for openness, for honest, uh, honesty, for, for being candid and, and, and being a little vulnerable. If we've stopped doing that, then folks, we're just a social club. A lot of 
Christians have left the church because all they see is social clubs. That they don't see any place that they can actually see life change. That nobody's really authentic. They're, they're all trying to cover it up. And it's sad when it can be said that there is more honesty in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting than there is at church. That's sad. See, God has not called us to be plastic people. The way he designed the church was that one of the key paths to life change outside of the influence of the Holy Spirit who comes in and makes us more like Jesus is this idea of fellowship. And to begin with, by the way, fellowship is not what you have been told fellowship was. You've probably been told that fellowship is after the service where you grab coffee and donuts and you just shoot the breeze. Or on Tuesday morning, you get together with the other people and you start to gossip about people that you know in the church uh, under the guise of let's be praying for this person because, well, you, you know, you know how it is. But authenticity, that's what God has called the church to do, to be. Okay, authenticity in the way that we do church is absolutely essential if you are going to experience life change. And if you're not about life change, then why are you coming to church? Why are you following Jesus? Why do you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you're not going to cooperate with him to see change in your life? We're going to look at a passage of Scripture today, one of my very favorite passages of the whole Bible. It's found in 1 John chapter 1. Now, if you have those cool Bibles that were just given out, that's on page 1266. If you don't have that Bible, you're on your own. Um, it comes right before 2 John, just so you know. It also comes after 2 Peter, so, so it's towards the back of the Bible. Uh, these are three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, written by the Apostle John to the church to encourage them. Uh, a, a lot about real-life faith, uh, about living out love. And we're going to be actually in chapter 1 of 1st John, and we're going to read from verse 5 and following. It says this in 1st John 1, starting in verse 5. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. Now, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, what about that passage teaches us about authenticity? Well, three points today. Number one, we all struggle. We all struggle, and all God's people said, amen. And yet, we don't live out the amen, because I know, I know that you've had conversations with people where they say, hey, how are you doing? And you say, yeah, liars. <laughs> yeah, because it's not fine. You've just been through a divorce. Your kid is getting into things that you do not believe in and do not uh, accept. Your job is getting ready to fold over because of this economy. You have lost loved ones. And when I ask you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. 
No, you're not. But see, we live in a culture where that's kind of the norm. We live in a culture where it's not normal to have weakness. You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to have a struggle. By the way, even in that standard greeting, how you doing, I bet you the person asking you that isn't really ready for you to tell them how you are doing. You know, hey, how you doing? Well, actually, if you have 10 minutes, I need to really talk to you about some problems that I'm having in my life. No, no, I, I just needed to hear fine. Whew. I mean, that's how bad it's gotten in church. But here, here's a concept. What if, what if we actually trusted one another with what is common to everybody? We all struggle. We all struggle. And not just with the harsh reality of life, but with sin. See, John was writing to Christians about 2,000 years ago, but we see that nothing has really changed. Christians fake it really well. We put on that plastic face. I'm doing fine. I don't have any sin. There are two verses here, verse 8 and verse 10, that are so important. In verse 8, he says, If you claim to be without sin, you're deceiving yourself. You, you, you might think that you're pulling, a, pulling one over on people, but John says you're really deceiving yourself. And in verse 10, it says if you actually claim that you don't have sin, then you're making God out to be a liar. Why? Well, because around this idea of, of fellowship, of authenticity, is, is the concept of living in the light. Now, as if you look at verses 5 and 6, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and, and proclaim to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness. And if we claim to have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, then we are lying and we are not living by the truth. Now, growing up, I, I was pretty much a Pharisee. Okay, I was very judgmental. And I always misunderstood this because when I saw light and dark, I always associated that light with not sinning. Well, you shouldn't be sinning. Don't sin. Don't sin. If you're walking in the light as he is in the light, you're not sinning. And if you're walking in the darkness, you are sinning. And, and if that was the case, I knew I was in trouble. Okay? Yes, I was a preacher's kid, right? And there was expectations of me to be that G.I. Joe, to, to have no problems whatsoever, no struggle with sin. But here was the problem. I did struggle with sin. And actually, to be more honest and open, I was actually struggling with sins, which means that there was way more than one. But, folks, I, I got to tell you this. I would have died. I would have just died of embarrassment, of, a, of being appalled if any one of those people in my church, in my youth group, knew what I was struggling with. So I stayed in the darkness. And that is the concept of what John is bringing up here. It's not saying that if you're walking in the darkness, you're sinning. And if you're walking in the light, you are not sinning. Actually, it begins with, with something a little bit more basic than that. It means that if you are walking in the darkness, you are sinning and you are covering up your sin. You don't want to deal with it. You're pushing it away so that nobody will ever see it. Nobody will ever catch you. But if you're walking in the light, yes, there still will be struggle. There still will be sin. But now you've allowed the light of God's word to shine into your life to expose what needs to be changed. And by the way, if you could have dealt with it on your own when it's in the dark, I promise you, you, you would have done it by now. But if you're still struggling with these sins, it's because you're walking in the darkness. And John is telling you that there, the answer is openness, honesty, uh, being, being vulnerable. Okay? 
so that the light can expose what is uh, wrong and you can begin to change that. That's what, that, that's what this is all about because everyone struggles. Everyone struggles. And if we continue to keep those struggles in the dark, we will never deal with them ever. And so when you say that I don't have any problems, then you are, first of all, deceiving yourself. And secondly, you're calling God a liar. And I don't think any one of us wants to do that. That's probably not a real healthy thing in our relationship with God. Being willing to be honest and open. Now, now that doesn't mean that we have a, a, a prayer time or, or, or sharing time where people just get up on a Sunday morning and just say, hey, this is my, this is my stuff. But I will tell you this. Maybe it is time for uh, the church to say, hey, hi, my name is Trey, and I'm a recovering sinner. And everybody goes, hello, Trey, knowing that they are as well. So you got to know that everybody struggles. Number two, though, you got to know that confession brings about cleansing. That, that's what John is saying here in chapter 1 of, of 1 John. Confession brings cleansing. L- look back at verse 9. If we confess our sins, there it is, if we confess then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, that is life-changing stuff. Because the word confess actually means to admit something or, or to acknowledge something is true, right? But it literally means, in the English, confess means to say the same thing as. Well, when we're confessing our sin to God, what are we doing? We are acknowledging that God says that what you are doing is sin. And we are acknowledging that, and we are saying the same thing that God says. God says that's a sin. We say that's a sin. God says you need a Savior. We say we need a Savior. Now, when we do that, John says that God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Now, I want to stop there in that verse because it's important to see what happens when you confess your sin before God. When you come to God and saying, yes, I am in need of salvation, I am in need of uh, of forgiveness, then because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have forgiveness. John says that when we confess, God promises, he promises to forgive us. But not just that, that, but when he does forgive us, it's, it's faithful and it's just. Now, Faithful just means that that's in keeping with God's character, right? That, that throughout the entire scripture, God says that when you come to him with a contrite and broken heart, when you are truly sorry for your sin, even as King David had to come before God after a horrendous sin in his life, he came before God with a broken and contrite heart and God forgave him. That's God's promise. And he is faithful to that promise when we confess to him. But second of all, it says that he is just to, to forgive our sins. Now, that means that, that forgiveness is not just an act of mercy. It's an act of justice. Now, how is that possible? Because you've always probably heard that to be forgiven, well, that's mercy that's been given to you. But let me tell you this, it's also justice. How so? Well, let's say you have gotten in trouble with the law and the court requires you to pay a, a, a fine, okay? And that's on your record until you pay the fine. And so you go to the courthouse and you're getting ready to pay the fine and you come there and you find out that somebody has been there before you and they've already paid your fine, okay? Whew. Now, that's hundreds, thousands of dollars that you don't have to pay. Now, if the judge says, yeah, but you know what? 
you're still a dirty, rotten scoundrel, you're going to pay as well. If a judge requires you to pay after your penalty has already been paid, that judge is not righteous. That judge is not just. That would be an injustice. So when Jesus goes to the cross and pays the penalty for your sin, then it would be unjust of God to require you to have to pay that as well. So God is faithful and just and will forgive us because what Jesus has done on the cross. But folks, you're not just forgiven. You're not just forgiven. God wants to forgive you, but God also wants to purify you. God wants to change you. God doesn't just want you to say, hey, look, I get to go to heaven now after I die. Yay, that's wonderful. But do you know that God wants to change you now? Yes, he wants to take away the penalty of your sin, but he also wants to take away the power of your sin. And that's where confession, not to God, comes in, but confession to one another comes in. See, it's all based on authenticity in relationships. Look back at verse 7. It says, if we walk in the light as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship, not just with God, we will have fellowship with one another. And at that point, he says, the blood of Jesus, God's son, will cleanse us, will purify us from all sin. You see, at least in part, purification, cleansing comes when we learn how to live authentically with one another. Being willing to be vulnerable and exposing our struggles with one another in a judicious way, in a discerning way, not that you're just throwing it out there for everybody, but that that God would call us to build relationships within a church so much so that we would be willing to share with one another our deepest hurts, our, our biggest sins that we are dealing with. Authenticity will help us as we confess to one another the struggles that we have. Authenticity will bring us to a point where we can be cleansed. See, John actually concludes this this whole thought in the very next chapter, chapter 2, in in the first two verses. This is what he says in the first two verses of of chapter 2. He says, my little children, you you see how much he loves uh, who he is writing to. He says, my little children, I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. But if if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the atonement for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John's conclusion is this. Listen, I'm sharing this with you so that you can have victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. You see, the way to overcome whatever sin is entangling you in your spiritual journey right now is authenticity in fellowship, in relationship with other people, with God and with his church. And when we do that, guess what? Here's the the third thing I want you to see, and then we'll be uh, done with the, the, the message today is that when we are actually able to, to learn to live in authenticity with one another, okay, that we would be open with one another, all of a sudden you'll find that fellowship will allow grace to flow, not just to you, but to other people. You know, you and I, we love when grace comes to us. But when we are actually learning to live in authenticity with one another, then God's grace doesn't just come to us, but it comes into us and through us to other people. You see, John tells us here that we have an advocate with the Father. 
no, that not a, a green, bumpy fruit from Mexico that you make guacamole with. That's, that's avocado. This is an advocate, which is a legal term. And it's somebody that goes between who stands in your defense. He says, listen, if you do sin, and, and by the way, the, the whole idea of being open and honest is that you don't sin. But if you do sin, you're going to have somebody who has your back and that person has paid for your sin on the cross. But here it is. The atonement, the propitiation, the atonement that he's talking about here isn't just for you. It's for the sin of the whole world. And so by living in authenticity with one another, we are actually, we we get to practice what it means to have grace towards one another. Because I guarantee you that as much as the stuff that you have, the other person sitting right next to you has got that kind of stuff too. And if we can live in authenticity, then we're not going to be standing in judgment over each other. We're actually going to help each other. We're going to pick each other up. We're going to walk alongside each other. See, when seen in the context of the authenticity of the church, the grace that we receive from God, we are now actually able to practice that grace to other people. And I don't know about you, but I need grace, not just from God. I need grace from you as well. See, there's nothing to be afraid of when we can learn to live in authenticity. There's nothing to be afraid of because every sin that anyone can commit was paid for on that cross. So the next time you are in church and you ask somebody, how are you doing? Are you willing to allow authenticity to to, to flow through you and through that other person that you're checking on? Are we as a church willing to allow relationships with each other to grow so deep to a point where you can actually live in the light? Because that was what God designed us to be like from the very, very beginning. When you saw Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and unashamed. They were able to be open and honest and vulnerable. It wasn't until sin came in that they wanted to hide and go into the darkness. Authenticity is a part of our original design. And so God has created us with the ability to live in the light. But you and I, we retreat into the darkness far too, far too long, far too often. It's too easy to fake it on a Sunday morning. It's too easy to be the Barbie or the G.I. Joe. Some people actually come to a church this size so that they can just sit in the back and not have to talk to anybody and not have to change at all. And and, and maybe you need a a few months, a few weeks, a few months to actually find health because of stuff that you've been going through. But eventually the idea is that you would connect with people in such a way that you would be willing to let your guard down, at least with maybe a smaller group of people, maybe one or two other people, not necessarily everybody everybody. But that you would let your guard down to admit that you're not made of plastic and that you've got real struggles because this is real life. And I want to tell you this as we close. Uh, Gabe, why don't you bring your, your team on up? As your pastor, and I tell you this every week, I love you and I love serving as your pastor. If what I'm speaking about today is not happening with you, if it's not happening with your connection to Powell Butte Christian Church, then i got to tell you something here, and I love you, but if it's not happening in your connection with this church, something is wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong, but something is wrong, and something must change. It's critical. If you are to be more and more like Jesus, which that's the idea, before you even get to heaven, you should be experiencing life change today, and if that's not happening, something has got to change. And what that change is, well, we're going to look at next week. 
And so I invite you back, okay? Uh, don't stay away, otherwise we're going to know why you stayed away. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. But make sure that you're tuning in because God wants to change you. And that change can happen. Seldomly it happens, rarely it happens, but sometimes it happens on a Sunday morning. But folks, it's going to happen in a different way than what you think. You might really enjoy this message today. You're not going to like next week's. I'm just going to tell you that because I'm going to be stepping on toes. So bring your, your boots with a steel toe uh, in, in them next week. But I want you to see what the Bible says about authenticity and allowing God's power to change who we are in the way that we live and the way that we relate to one another. It starts, though, with being willing. It's a risk. Being willing to say, you know what, I'm going to start being open and honest. And when somebody tells me, Trey, you know, I've got this stuff going on, you know, then we can actually have a good conversation. Now, by the way, just as a, as a funny, um, in first service, I was wearing a tie and a, and a, uh, and a jacket and somebody would say, well, why did you change Trey? Well, I, I didn't change. I just untucked my shirt and took off my tie and took off my jacket because, um, you know, I've told you that I can't preach it until I live it. What I didn't know was I was actually living it all during first service as my zipper has busted. Talk about being vulnerable. Somebody came up to me in love and said, you know, Trey, you got a problem there. Yes, yes. And so then I was able to change. See, that's how it works. You got a problem, you need to change. And that's being open and honest. All right. Why don't you stand with us? I, I want to I pray, and then we're going to be singing victory in Jesus. God, thank you so much for giving us your word and for uh, meeting us at, at our point of need and where we are. God, I, I thank you so much for the forgiveness that comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. But God, I also thank you for the change that you want to make in us as the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to shape and recreate us in your image. And yet, God, oftentimes that means that we have to be open and honest for that. God, forgive us when we just cover up and be plastic people. And may this be the years, we're looking at the year of our Lord, 2022, that we stop being plastic people so that we might be molded in your image the way that you would want us. Pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.